Remember the pandemic? Well, apparently many in Brazil don't. I live in Sao Paulo and last weekend my wife and I went for a stroll in a neighborhood filled with bars and restaurants. And nothing we saw would suggest that a viral pandemic is still raging around the country. Places were filled with people with tables squeezed in next to each other as restaurant owners look to compensate for the losses they endured earlier this year. And masks? <laughs> Forget about it. And while millions of Brazilians have opted to forget that the coronavirus is here, the country has just hit another grand milestone. Six million confirmed cases. And even that is seen as an underestimation. Brazil experienced one of the world's deadliest first coronavirus waves, and just as people were starting to get used to this so-called new normal, a second wave appears to be on the horizon. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. Ian Marshall, hello. Hi, Gustavo. Even earlier this year, we watched as the coronavirus ravaged some regions in Europe and the U.S., And at first, experts thought that this would be more like the SARS or the MERS pandemics, which never really reached Brazil. Uh, we, we even did an episode on that at the time. But of course, those predictions were dead wrong. And just weeks later, we started to see Europe go into panic mode before the same thing happened here. In Manaus, the biggest city in the Amazon, we saw mass burials and piles of bodies as morgues and hospitals couldn't handle the demand. By August, at least 100,000 people had died of COVID-19, figures that are approaching the 200,000 mark. Our first wave was long and painful on every aspect, health-wise or economically speaking. And now we are going to have to brace ourselves for a second round, is that so? Well, it seems that way. A group of six researchers from five different institutions signed an open letter this week trying to warn citizens and politicians about the dangers of a potential second wave. And there's plenty of data to corroborate their fears. Because early in November, the coronavirus transmission rate, which is measured by Imperial College London, It sat at its lowest level since the pandemic took hold. It hit just 0.68, which would mean that every 100 people would be expected to infect 68 others, who would then go on to infect 46 and so on. Basically means that the pandemic would eventually die down. But by November 24th, the rate reached its highest point since May, 1.31 which meant that every 10 people would be expected to infect 13, who would then infect another 17, and so on. So that means that the spread would gain steam. Right, but some experts are saying that the transmission rates could be even bigger, right? Because the health ministry systems were unstable a few weeks ago after a hacking attack, so that reduced the government's ability to tally cases and deaths. Exactly. So what else has driven them to conclude that a second wave is either already happening or at least knocking at the door. Well, they point towards a rapid deterioration of the outlook in Brazil due to the massive reopening of cities around the country. I mean, as we know, Brazil never really went on lockdown, 
but for the past few months restrictions have been practically non-existent. And some experts aren't even talking about waves, they're talking about tsunamis. And when they were in low tide, Brazil didn't capitalise and it returned to normal almost instantly. And when we look at data on traffic and urban mobility, we're already back to close to pre-pandemic levels. And the major concern at this point is the uptick of cases and deaths in the country's most populated areas, such as Sao Paulo and Rio de Janeiro. So what is the situation in these regions? Well, in Sao Paulo, we were experiencing a consistent decline in hospitalizations since June. But in November, that trend is reversed and you can kind of sense a fear around the city that another lockdown may be coming. Yeah, this is the talk of the town. I mean, I've heard the same thing from multiple people, from the cashier at my local grocery store to a few taxi drivers. I mean, everyone is saying that the restrictions will become tighter as of next week. The question is, why next week? Well, to explain that, we have to go into the weeds a bit and explain Sao Paulo's opening plan. Basically, the state was divided into 17 regions, which are ranked on a 1 to 5 scale according to the number of COVID-19 patients they had in their hospitals. Phase 1 is for where the spread is completely out of control and the strictest restrictions are applied, meaning that you know pretty much every non-essential activity is shut down. And then phase five is when all restrictions are lifted. Right now, most regions in the state are in phase four, with daily life being, you know, a bit closer to normality. But according to their criteria, the greater Sao Paulo area should have been already scaled back to phase two, which is the second strictest phase. And this region, which includes the city of Sao Paulo and also some satellite cities around it, it's home to around 10% of the entire Brazilian population. And it was the epicenter of the COVID-19 outbreak earlier in the year. It's pretty much like Brazil's answer to New York, as they had with their pandemic. So why haven't authorities dialed up restrictions yet? Well, they were meant to update restrictions in the middle of the month, but they claimed that a data issue made this impossible and scheduled the next update for November 30. But it so happens that Sao Paulo is having its mayoral election just now and the runoff vote is scheduled for November 29th. That's one day before. Hmm. No relationship between the two dates, I assume. <laughs> well, state governor João Doria is trying to get his ally and former deputy Bruno Covas to win re-election as mayor. And the suspicion is that the new restrictions would have frustrated voters and perhaps caused Covas to lose support. And of course, this is denied by both Doria and Covas. Right, of course, of course. And what about Rio? Well, average new cases and deaths in the city are continuing to rise, with daily deaths already on a par with the level seen in April. And meanwhile, ICU occupation rates in public hospitals reached 93%. In other areas? Well, just like the first time around, cases of coronavirus within indigenous communities are particularly worrying. Between August and October, the number of confirmed coronavirus cases in the Yanomami Indigenous Territory jumped from 335 to 1,200, so an increase of 250%. And that's according to a report produced by researchers and leaders of the Yanomami and Yekwana ethnic groups. But how bad is that in relative terms? Well, in relation to the entire local population, that would mean that one in three members of these groups may have already been infected by COVID-19. And further research showed that less than 10 tests have been carried out in 11 regions of the Indigenous Territory. And three other regions haven't seen any tests whatsoever. 
So you're saying that just like earlier this year, Brazil is pretty much flying blind now. Pretty much, yeah. And as a matter of fact, the government is facing a major crisis regarding how poorly it has handled tests. Because a congressional committee has called the health minister in to explain reports that Brazil could be about to lose almost 7 million of its RT-PCR test kits, which those are the ones with the, the dreaded cotton swab up the nose. What do you mean by lose? Well, they're about to hit their expiration dates, and they've been lying in stock without ever being distributed to public hospitals. And what makes this case even worse is knowing that the kits set to be discarded outnumber the total of RT-PCR tests already administered by the public healthcare system since the beginning of the pandemic. Jeez, that's scandalous. And what strikes me even further is that the health minister, well, he's supposed to be a logistics expert, isn't he? Yeah, that's right. And when Eduardo Pazuello was appointed, the current health minister, he was appointed after Jair Bolsonaro had already driven out two previous health ministers during the worst days of the pandemic, and Pazuello got a lot of criticism for not having a medical background. But in response, the government said that his expertise in logistics would make sense in managing the resources for the fighting the pandemic in the best possible way. But, of course, as we've just explained, that hasn't been the case. They claimed the tests had been purchased by previous ministers, but... Pazuelo has been in office since May, so, you know, there's absolutely no excuse for this blunder. I mean, yeah, massive testing is not only necessary to monitor cases while they are still mild, but also to help avoid infection chains as they detect active infections even when they're asymptomatic. Yeah, in Brazil, experts say that the total number of reported cases is not the total number of cases among the population, but rather the official number only shows the total of severe cases. So when testing is restricted to people who only have serious COVID-19 symptoms, this has a huge effect on the reliability of mathematical models used to kind of to map the evolution of the pandemic in the country. And how the government is reacting to these alarm bells? I mean, besides letting tests expire in warehouses, apparently. Well, the government has pretty much shrugged off the threat so far. Uh, President Bolsonaro said he can no longer stand what he calls second wave nonsense. And meanwhile, the government's economic policy secretary says that such a possibility is a long shot. And economy minister Paulo Guedes, against all evidence, said that the pandemic has yielded already. And he calls talks of a second wave, quote, false narratives, saying that in his opinion, the increase in cases and deaths do not necessarily translate into a second wave. Right, Ewan, but what about the health ministry? Because neither Jair Bolsonaro nor Paulo Guedes are infectious disease experts. I mean, neither is the health minister, but you get my point. Exactly. Well, General Eduardo Pazuelo has kept quiet throughout this whole thing. And to be fair, he does have a difficult job because he took office with one directive, to be completely loyal to whatever Jair Bolsonaro says or wants. And we know that the president has a thing for miracle cures for the coronavirus, such as the unproven anti-malarial drug chloroquine. And he also likes to kind of frame the facts around the pandemic in, let's say, creative ways. So talking about a second wave is really not in the president's best interests. And that's why Health Minister Eduardo Pazuelo won't be talking about it either. Yeah, I saw minority leaders in the House uh, trying to force him to do it. There's a request by the center-left Workers' Party to make Pazuelo explain 
what is the government's strategy for a possible second wave? Is there one? Well, if there is, the government is keeping it under wraps because to this day, no vaccination plan has been drafted. The government has said that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll publish the plan next week. But there's a bit of a running gag in Brasilia that all of these important projects concerning the government are always going to come next week and then the next week and then the one after that. I mean, it seems crazy to me that we are discussing possible vaccines and everything. But in Brazil, we haven't established the priority list for a vaccination campaign yet. And we have the president threatening to boycott a vaccine made in China. He has recently said that the government will buy whatever vaccine gets clearance from health authorities. Given his previous words on the issue, that is far from a given. So even obviously COVID-19 also had a massive impact on the country's finances, mainly due to the emergency aid that supported over 60 million workers. However, this aid is set to expire as early as December 31st. So what can we expect on that front? Economy Minister Paulo Guedes says that the economic team is ready to act, but he completely ruled out extending the emergency salary program after receiving severe backlash from economic agents who, well, they're basically fed up with the lack of results from the economic ministry so far, and they're concerned about Brazil's mounting debt. And, you know, to their point, the federal government does not have the money to pay for the program again in 2021, if we're taking into account the regular federal budget. What they would have to do would be approve another emergency budget, as we had this year. But the fact is, is that Congress is in a bit of a political deadlock right now, and they haven't voted on anything important since September. So they'd be lucky to approve any budget whatsoever, never mind a, a, a new emergency budget. So how bad is the situation in Congress right now and why is it all in lawmakers' hands? Well, it's all down to politics, as usual. And there's a fight for the succession of the House Speaker in the upcoming election in February, which is an extremely important position in Brazil. And the groups that are struggling for power, you know, they've yet to even reach an agreement to set up the committee which will start to analyse the budget. So, you know, there's so much work left to be done. Yeah, I mean, we, we all know that the emergency aid is helping to boost consumption and the economy as a whole. So how would the private sector fare on their second wave of the coronavirus? Well, it was clear that the aid programme boosted consumption. And we saw plenty of positive impacts on like things like e-commerce and construction. And as a result, Brazil's GDP is set to fall 5% this year, which, you know, is huge. But that's much better than the double-digit recession that was initially expected. Meanwhile, though, we've got some sectors which are still hurting badly, especially the services sector. If we take restaurants, for example, they don't have the suppressed demand that you see with other sectors. Because like once they start reopening, they don't have customers coming to eat there three times a day to make up for lost time. So as a result, lots of these companies are really hanging from a thread. And another kind of harsh quarantine in Brazil could be a death blow for the sector. And the end of the aid would certainly not help. And, you know, it's worth remembering that services make up over 70% of the Brazilian GDP. So, you know, this would cause severe impacts. So you're saying we could expect a massive wave of bankruptcies with a new quarantine or at least new restriction measures? Yeah, I wouldn't rule that out. 
Um, because in the first major wave of the coronavirus, we saw bankruptcies rise by 71%. And amongst them, small companies are much more vulnerable. And at this point, essentially, saving companies also means saving jobs. Um, the country has a 14.4% unemployment rate. So it's not like Brazil can do without them at this, at this time. After hospitals were overburned, we could see bankruptcy courts in the same situation in 2021. But I hope these grim projections will be wrong and that we will have a future episode saying how Brazil has escaped the worst. Iwan, thank you. Thanks, Gustavo. If you like explaining Brazil, please rate us with five stars. That will help more people find out about this show. Or you can sign up to the Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the website for a week without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening.